So Greg is still in Nigeria, and he has uh, an assignment there from the Lord, and um, it has, this is the first time it has been unfolding even before Greg, as the Lord is directing. He's been listening and following, and I already know there are very, very significant things that he'll be releasing, but this morning the Lord, um, wow, I've really been just... Seeking the Lord on what in the world he's doing. I do know that he wants to release a couple of things that he showed me this morning. But um, some of you have had this experience. It's wonderful. But uh, I, I found myself a little conflicted this morning because I was like, Lord, do I, do I dare ask you to allow me to get ready so I can go into church? Because, uh, man... I was laid out so strong this morning in the presence of the Lord. It was one of those experiences that was, um, if I didn't know that it was the Lord, it would have been a, a grabbing for my phone to call 911 because I couldn't breathe, couldn't move. It's a, in, in, a, in the best way, in the best way. Um, he is moving upon the earth right now. And one of the things that you have to know is that you have to know that when you seek him, you will find him. You have to know that. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us the opportunity to receive him as savior. And when we give him our initial yes, repent of our sins and invite him into our heart, believing that he is the way, the truth and the life, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died. His, the father sent his only son who limited himself into human form and, and inserted himself into humanity and became a man to pay the debt that we could not pay, that Adam gave away. He completely offered redemption a payment we could not pay, and that when we receive him as Savior, he loved the world. He so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anyone, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love that. That was the verse that I quoted at the point of, of my salvation and I learned and it, it has been so dear to me. And one of the things I love about the word of God is there are levels and levels of just amazing depth. So I want to pray and I got to tell you, there are some things I know he wants me to release. How he does it, I have to leave in his hands. Um, there were some visions that he gave me last week of what he wanted to do in in helping to visualize certain concepts, which is why there's some different things up here. Um, but it turned out it wasn't for last week. You know, sometimes God will give you a vision for something, and then you'll misapply timing. And he showed me that it wasn't. I was kind of ready for it last week, but it wasn't for last week. It was for this week. So, um, so I just want to pray and just declare and just, again, give God the praise. Those of us, those who are joining us either on Facebook Live or on the podcast weren't connected with the original worship and at this point in the service is when we're just coming from worship, and it's, it's so beautiful. It's actually hard sometimes to transition and uh, go back to a, a speaking when you just want to just 
bask in the glory of God. And um, so I'm going to pray first. Father, we love you. Almighty God, I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for who you are. I just worship you. I praise you, God. I thank you. I thank you. As we talked about last week, God, this is the day that you have made. And I will, I will, by my yes, rejoice and be glad in it. Not because of my circumstances, but because of who you are. It is your day. And so I just give you my yes. I give you my yes in this moment, in this hour, in this day, and in my life. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and just rest, hover, speak, move, convict, turn and churn in hearts that need that cultivating in the soil of their hearts so that what you release can go deep down. I've asked you all morning to just let it be your words, your filling. And you've told me I am hosting you. So I will believe that. I will receive that. Because you know, God, and I know that I have nothing of myself to share. So I just desire to be a vessel through which you can speak. I do, I just, I just worship you and thank you for even giving me the opportunity. It's an awesome responsibility to stand here. It's weighty. And I do not take it lightly. For I know that I am responsible for everything spoken. That it never be in disagreement with who you are or with your word. So, God, just take it and use it and do with this service. As I always say to you, God, even though you've given me just a few notes, if you change it up in a moment, I just give you my yes. And I pray that each and every person listening, anywhere, in any way this is released, that they would also, in agreement, give you their yes to receive what you have to say to them. Because you are releasing so much on the earth right now. And we just, as we just worshiped, we want to say we want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the one thing that we desire. So I just praise you. I love you. Continue to work in the assignment you have, Greg, on in Nigeria in other places. God, as he comes home and testifies of what you're doing. And I know you are with him, so do your will in that assignment and in his life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a picture that the Lord brought to my mind that was kind of a state of what it feels like in the world right now. And it was, it's weird because it, it was found in a very familiar scripture which I'm going to have you turn to. We're going to read that portion of scripture. And, and many of us who have been in church perhaps our whole lives or multiple Bible studies, 
it's probably the most familiar passage uh, in terms of the story. Even the world is familiar with the story. It's actually in three different sections, but not all of them um, include one element, um, but they all depict the basic story. Uh, But we're going to go to Matthew 14, where Jesus is walking on the water and Peter joins him. And I want to just show you something here. I'll be in the ESV. And um, but in Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22, the, the context of this chapter is after the feeding of the 5000. And it starts here in verse 22, and it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds, Okay, the crowds from the feeding of the 5000. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Don't forget that part. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Pun intended here, but there's just a whole boatload of revelation in that uh, in that word. But the picture that he gave me from this portion of scripture was that here is these this tumultuous atmosphere, this storm, Okay, that was. On the water, in the wind, enveloping the disciples, the boat, everything around them. And then here's Jesus walking on the water. We see the, the part about him elevated to walk on the water. Yes, that, that's one thing that's amazing and miraculous. But the boat was beaten. And yet Jesus was walking. He wasn't grasping, trying to deal with the waves. If he can walk on water, he can surely walk through wind. So he's just walking. And the Lord kind of showed me this picture of like a stroll. Jesus is there. His burden is easy and light. He's walking. And here's his people battling out the storm. And 
there's a response that we can have in those moments. Because I thought about how much the wind is picking up, if you will, in the world today. How much everything that the Lord has been saying is going to happen is unfolding before our eyes. I mean, I could give you news report upon news report of things that are happening. The, the collapse of banks, the, the odd storms in places where they never have snow and floods and um, earthquakes. and I mean, you name it, everything, all the world is being shaken right now. And it is building even to the pockets of the people who right now are in awe of the news reports, but whose lives aren't necessarily directly impacted. Every one of us will feel the shaking and have to make a decision about who we're going to be in the boat. They had to recognize, first of all, that it was him. And by the way, they had to recognize that it was him. He did not say, oh, I'm Jesus. It's fine. He just said, it is I. Who's the I? They had to recognize that it was Jesus. And, of course, what I, what I love about, you know, Peter gets a bad rap about his impulsivity. But uh, this impulsiveness kind of worked a little bit in his favor when he, he just was like, he just responded with a, okay, well, if it's you... I'm coming, man. I'm coming. Because there you are. You know, this is tough. There you are. I want to come to you. The other thing I want you to notice about the storm element. These were the disciples in there. It's not like they were newbies to storms on water. They were fishermen. I mean, there were many, many storms that they dealt with. There was, I really believe, a demonic atmosphere element going on because even how scripture words it the wind was against them and i will tell you one portion i want you to see in the very first verse verse 22 immediately he made the disciples okay he instructed them to get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Do you know that when the Lord tells us what to do and we are obedient, we're going to have some forces come against our obedience? It's like, okay. I mean, can you imagine the, the regret or the temptation at least to be a little bit, have a little bit of regret? Like, man, Jesus told us to do this. Surely as God, he would have known that, you know, it was going to be rough. Why in the world? Why did the Lord tell us to do this if he knew we were going to be in this storm? Why did he instruct us to go at this time? Surely he had he has some divine weatherman that would have warned him that during this particular watch of the night, which is about 3, 4 a.m., between 3 and 6 is the fourth watch of the night. And uh, surely he would have known. If anybody could probably get a hint from the father of the weather forecast, he would get it. He knew. Why did he send us? Why did he send us when he knew it would be hard? When we step and obey, we're going to have the wind be against us. They had just come off of an amazing miracle. That's another whole thing that I won't even get into right now because of where the Lord wants to take this. But boy, you often are tested after a mountaintop experience. 
Because can you even imagine? I mean, if we spent the rest of the hour on the feeding of the 5,000 and what that all meant, to come off of that miracle and then to experience circumstances that are against you and then right away struggle with doubt just shows you how much their faith needed to be built. How often does that happen where we are just crying in gratitude for what the Lord did? Just like the children of Israel, thank you, Lord, for what you did. And then the next trial they face, Lord, where are you? I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, you got to help me for once, forgetting what he just did for them. And so definitely he, uh, he had to call Peter out because you would look at that. And, and it's interesting when you, um, I often sometimes when I'm in the, the four gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I can imagine sometimes if if the Pharisees were able to read it after the fact about themselves, how they would see it. And, um, you know, when when you read the word of God and you have any kind of lens of offense, it'd be pretty offensive to be like, okay, why did you doubt? Oh, you have little faith. Okay, are you kidding me right now? I stepped out of the boat. I actually walked on the water. They didn't step out of the boat. They worshiped after you saved me. But they didn't step out of the boat. Why are, you, why are you scolding me, Lord? Didn't I have faith? And yet you see kind of this kingdom reality that where Jesus existed that he was trying to call his disciples into, which is don't doubt at all. There, it is, it's going to be normal to walk on the water. You know, you would think, well, I mean, fine. Tell me I don't have faith to follow you. Tell me I don't have faith to, you know, to leave my family or to go on a long journey without, you know, without a second tunic or, or any kind of food with me, you know, tell me, tell me those things. But I mean, I have little faith because I can't walk on water. Um, hello, people don't walk on the water. Jesus came to defy all of the human norms because he was there to introduce the kingdom reality to them. And so, so you would look at that going, because can you imagine an, a brother in Christ saying that to another brother in Christ? Why didn't you why didn't you rise up and have that mountain move? Now, I, I'm talking about somebody coming to you from faith, not coming to you from a lens of criticism, but really, really from the kingdom of heaven saying that. We'd be a little offended. Like, okay, you know, give me credit for what, what I got and, and, and don't judge. But yet Jesus wasn't judging at all. He was pointing out what's possible if they'll just open themselves up to it. What's possible in him. So there was two words that the Lord gave me, and it's, it's, I think I've told you my process before. The Lord will sometimes, in my secret place time, when I'm just like, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? I'm always just asking that. You know, I'm thanking him for everything, and I'm worshiping him, and then I'm like, what do you want to say? And then what do you want, what do you want said to the people through me, whether it be the ladies' class or when the Lord has me you know, give the message for the service? And... There's a pause. There's not an immediate, you know, it's kind of like his, his response when, when we say the Lord told me or spoke to me, it comes in many ways. Sometimes he'll illuminate it directly out of his word. Sometimes he will do it through a, through a song I'm worshiping to. Sometimes it'll come in a very unusual way. Um, I've, show, I've told you that he's, you know, he's just spoken to me in so many different ways. And when you acknowledge him that we talked about last week, if you acknowledge him in everything, you will get so much more communication from him that, that you're conscious of because you'll see him in everything. But he, 
he said, in fact, I, I was so enveloped in worshiping him. I don't remember exactly where, but I remember I heard the words rise above, rise above. And he began to show me in that secret place time, but then even through the week, what he meant by rise above. And he started to, because he, even this morning, he added a couple of words to it. I said, do you want the title adding these words? Because he said, look up and rise above. And I said, oh, are you changing it? Are you changing the title? Do you want, do you want the look up and rise above? Because it fits. He's like, just leave it. <laughs> just leave it. Two words, fine. Rise above. But he started to show me these verses and show me in his word that he's teaching us that he wants our minds really transformed to think from his heart. Now, we know in Ephesians 4, it talks about being renewed and transformed in the spirit of your mind. We know from the great commandment, we're to love the Lord our gods with all our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength. We're to love the Lord with our mind. We're to acknowledge him and don't lean on our own understanding. He wants to be supreme in our thinking. And if there has ever been a time when the storm itself of confusion and lies is strong, it is right now. I mean, the lies, you know, we've asked for exposure in the world, but the lies are absurd. I mean, people, come on, people are fighting for abortion rights for men. I mean, really, it, you know, sitting before the Senate, sitting before Congress, I, the, the conversations are to the absurd where somebody's debating that everyone needs to have abortion rights, you know, whether they're trans, whether they're, you know, I don't, there's all kinds of names for them. And, and the, some of the senators that have just few ounces of sanity are saying, so, so you're saying that a man can have a child and that life should they should have the freedom to not have to have it if they so choose the fact that you're even asking those questions means that you're completely transphobic i mean there's just a bizarre reaction you, you got to see these clips i don't watch it live but i've seen little clips it's it's so nonsensical as god is exposing it it's just coming up and it looks like a just a just a big old plate of just nasty vomit it really does it's just so absurd where um, the, the attempt at truth being obscured is, is really strong right now. And it is bringing bondage. What does John eight thirty two say? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, what is truth? It is in the person of Jesus. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And so as we see these lies all around us, and, and we notice it, and it gives us an opportunity to, to pray into, to stand for truth, to declare um, even little things like I, I, I met the tra traffic light yesterday, you know, going home from Lydia's closet and there's just me. And then on my left side, one other car. And I looked to my side and this person's by themselves was a man by, by himself in a, in his coat, in his car, totally alone in his car, fully masked nose, almost to his eyeballs. And then under his chin. And the first thing I thought was just other than craziness, was bondage, bondage. You know, what have you had to agree with to think 
that you have to go to these kinds of measures to protect your health when the lie is it perpetuates unhealth. Um, to be breathing in your exhaled air constantly. It's just a, that's a whole other thing. We've already dealt with those, those lies. And praise God, COVID origins are being exposed now. And truth is coming out just as the Lord said that it would. And pray into that. But there are lies that have come in the form of paradigms. They, they've come and, and they've been little nuanced parts of our culture and our language that we've really never seen as being so overt. Like we know that when somebody's saying something completely stupid, that yes, a man can just decide on a whim to be a woman. A man can be on or talk about a, you know, a weird flipped upside down reversal of supposed women's rights to have a man honored by the first lady and another prominent person in, you know, in the, this sham government, um, as a woman, a man is honored as a woman on women's internet, you know, national, international day of women. The, I mean, it, it was so absurd and you think, okay, some of that stuff is so crazy. But it's gotten that far because the body of Christ, the people of God, have not rejected the lies when they were nuanced and they were trying to seep in when the enemy, which he's been doing since forever, because there's really nothing new in the way that he works. When you see it, it's just like the same, the same. You see it all through scripture. But then for some reason, we don't see the blinding in our own day of how we can be with his strategies and and. It's not just that we don't see his strategies. It's that when we get entangled with the things of this life and we allow there to be a gap between our relationship with Jesus, the sharpness of what is not him is not noticed. The closer I am to him, the more I allow him to totally transform me and my mind, the more I'm aware of what is the opposite of of that place of transformation. You know, we, we've been looking at um, encounters as experiences to just feel something awesome in services or to be experiencing a high. And yet, encounters are supposed to completely change us. When, you, when you're in the presence of the Lord, when, you are, when you're with the Lord and you have an encounter with the Lord, it is for the purpose of becoming less of you and more of him. It's, it's for those purposes. And I know um, Wendy released a, a fantastic message on our church chat. And uh, I, couldn't, I was completely overwhelmed with, when, with this preacher. What the Lord had given him was such a confirmation for, from, for so many things that the Lord had been saying. So if I repeat some of those things, it's because the Lord was just like, I couldn't even believe it. When I listened to the message, I thought, wow, Lord, how is this? This was a really massive. It, it just warmed my heart so much to hear him because it was really what the Lord had been saying to me. And, and, and the Lord's been showing me, you know, Jesus did not die to make bad men good. He died to give dead men life. I mean, it's John 10, 10. Okay. There's the thief that comes, but to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. He wants to give us more abundant life. He doesn't just want to make us moral enough to feel like we've lived a good life. 
And so the other day, I, I noticed a, a, a paradigm that was something that I had never seen before in this very old, one of the most famous movies ever made. I don't know how I was flipping through a channel or something, and I, I saw it. And I thought, oh, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen this movie. I didn't watch it. It was a long one, but I just saw parts of it. But I, the part that I saw, I was so struck by how I had never seen it through the lens that I saw it this week. And I was like, that's just, that's just an anti-God, complete blasphemous, rebellious statement And yet I remember at the time that it was released that it was some triumph and the the person, the the position in the movie, the actress that played her and everything, was revered as just some, you know, breakthrough, you know, woman that just against all odds defeated, you know, her difficult life and all these things. But yet this, this declaration, this vow that she made it was it was just so sad and it it's it's weird how it, it struck me that it was sad but then it also struck me that father thank you for so changing my paradigm to think more kingdom and i want more to where i noticed it and it grieved me and i don't know about you but the luster of some of the previous movies that we've watched, the more you become close to the Lord, it, they, they lose their luster like big time. Some of them I can't even, some I, I look back, I can, how did I watch that? How did I find any part of that enjoying, enjoy, enjoyable? And where legalism would have strong-armed you to, you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to watch that. It's so far from that. It's like when the Lord offers us a kingdom existence and we, we've recognized that we're citizens of heaven, why do I want something produced under the prince of the power of the air with all the little messaging that comes out that's all anti-God and, and, but dressed all up to not be noticeable? And the Lord, praise God, the Lord is exposing even those things. And it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, I want to show you the clip from that movie. And... Um, but before I do, I, the Lord was showing me that when you live in a place that is, you're essentially living in, in a place that's, that's down here. Okay, so if I'm down here, not everybody can see me, and I can't see everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm down here. I'm living in my, my, my world, what's, what's right in front of me. Like little Lucas in the back, you know, he's, he's on the floor, he's on the carpet. Praise God, keep him on the carpet instead of the cement. And his whole world is just three feet around him, okay? Unless a human picks him up and carries him to a different location. He, that's his whole world, okay? Because he's limited. He doesn't know there's a whole big world out there. His whole world is, is right there. When you are living in this world, there are things in your way that you it becomes kind of your obstruction you don't realize you can't even see like i'm looking and i I can see some things but i i can't even see where where the pathway to the exits and i can't there's things i can't see but but i I, i'm just thinking about my here my now and my needs and the lord is is trying to say no 
rise above that. Look up because I have given you a ladder of faith that I want you to climb. And the first step is a little bit, some, some of us, you know, we, we, we get here and we're like, okay, you know, first of all, we just see the ladder. Okay, that's where I want to be. But then I recognize that as I step, now I can see a whole lot more. Things really do look different when you're up high. Have you ever looked out the window of an airplane? When I go up higher, and I know some of you are like, should she be climbing that ladder in six-inch heels, four-inch heels? And and sometimes we might think, okay, but but Lord, I, I can't. That might be my excuse. That might be my excuse. Oh, you're fine. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. It's very sturdy. No, that's all right. No, the whole point of this lesson, Michael, go ahead and sit down. The whole point of this lesson is exactly that. But thank you so much. He's such a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Thank you. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that would say, well, no, I have these heels on, so I'm not going to do it. And the answer is, do we, would we take our shoes off to be willing to do it? Maybe, maybe you would say, okay, well, I, I can't do it with, with my shoes on, so I'll take them off. But then, then there's like Peter, just, just jump out as is. You know, he didn't get anything prepared. He just went up. But as we climb, we can see things we couldn't see before. God is calling us up to see so that we're not encumbered with just what's our immediate need here. The, the outlook on what's available, the outlook on exits, the outlook on opportunities, everything is different when I'm seeing from the lens of where God is. And the reason I wanted to set that up is because when you see this clip, you see that it's from uh, Gone with the Wind. Many of us have seen it. If you've not seen it, uh, I don't not recommend it. Um, the main character is a, a, is a spoiled brat. She's, you know, she's a, a known, you know, that's what she's known for. And it's endearing because of her southern accent. And she's beautiful and all that stuff. But she, during the time of the Civil War, they... You know, she was dealing with tremendous adversity. And in going through everything that she went through, it's like it all culminated in this declaration of the way it was going to be for her. And so I'm going to have you start it, Cole, and I'll, I'll explain it more afterwards. So go ahead. going to lick me. I'm going to live through this, and when it's all over, 
I'll never be hungry again. No, nor any of my food. If I had to lie, steal, cheat, or kill, and God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. That pretty much sums it up. The movie. Everything was about this life. And it was, God, you can witness the fact that I will have what I want. I will not go through anything like this again. You can witness it no matter how evil I have to be. If I have to steal, if I have to kill, if I have to cheat. God, you witness that I'm never going to be hungry again because it's all about this life. I mean, I never even saw that before. I just kept thinking, oh, determination, you know, that's good. And, and, and I, I was so grieved by that because I thought, wow, what are the people that are going through the loss of some of them millions with this recent bank that completely collapsed in Silicon Valley? The people that perhaps lied and cheated and stole to get their millions in the first place. I don't know. Uh, maybe they did. But it's like that is the ultimate, Lord, I've been through this adversity, but not my will, but yours be done. I will, I will trust you. I will never go about it on my own again. Father, I trust you. I submit myself to you because it is only through your hand that I will be able to make it through. I can only do all things through Christ Jesus. And yet it was exactly the opposite. It was, I will be autonomous. You watch me, God. I don't need you. I will do it. I won't be hungry because it's all about what I get in this life. It's, it was really sad. Um, and you could take that off the screen now completely unless you're trying to. <laughs> He's trying to. Um, that is living apart from a surrendered kingdom mindset. I mean, that's just completely the opposite. And it reminded me of Luke chapter 7, if you just turn there. Luke 7 is where we see that Jesus cleanses the ten lepers. And I want to start at verse 11, if you want to turn there. It says, on the way, 17, Luke 17, 11, I'm in the ESV again. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Okay, that answer was satisfactory enough. So they, they left. And as they went, they were cleansed. That's huge, by the way. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. A Samaritan man. Now, some of us. It gets lost on us when we think about lepers. Remember, lepers were complete outcasts. They were completely separated from society. 
They were seen as unclean. They were not even cared for because of people fearing that it would be contagious and impact their lives. So think about the leper mindset of the others that did not acknowledge God. What was opened up to them, they needed God. They were desperate for God in a way when they were dealing with their infirmity. We need you, please, please, we need you. Jesus, Master, heal us. He gives them healing. He gives them the opportunity to see who he really is, that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. But as soon as, because as I started thinking about what was going on in the mind of those that didn't go back and thank him, and he reminded me of what happens sometimes when people are blessed. Immediately, their first reaction is, I can go see my family. I can, go, I can walk through the city. Nobody's going to shout at me to get, get out. I get to show people that, hey, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm completely healed. You, you need to receive me now. I, I, can, I can go visit people that maybe I haven't seen in however long I've had this disease. I can now get some food that I didn't have access to. I don't have to eat scraps outside of the city walls. I can go in and enjoy a meal. And the blessing and the new opportunity that was given by God became the very distraction keeping them from going back to the source and worshiping. The one that thanked him fell on his face before God, before Jesus, and thanked him and worshiped him. You know, we think that we think it's the temptation comes to deny Christ in the hard times. Oh no. It comes when we get what we've been begging him for. That's when the temptation comes. Lord, I'll be faithful to you. I'll be faithful to you. Uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, things have been so hard, and I, you know, I, I just, I haven't had, I haven't even had much to do because it, it, everything's been shut down. Every door is closed. So I just decided I'm, I'm going to go ahead and step into this. I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm just going to serve you because I, I just, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's what you want. And, and, you know, and you're praying and you're praying. And then the Lord begins to allow other doors to be open. And sometimes, it's what he's directing, but other times it's just blessing opening up around you as a test to see, can you steward blessing? You've been stewarding the trial by wanting me as your source, but do you want me for me? See, he's trying to teach us through this refining process that he's the actual prize. And when you are living down here, and you're living for just what your little world exists. It's like, Lord Jesus, be, be my God of my day. Help me to get through my day. Help me to get through my week. You know, I've got this due. I've got that due. I've got this problem at, at this place. I've got this, I've got this ache or this pain. I've got this issue. Help me right here. And, and he's like, look, start believing me. Come up higher. Even if you feel a little unstable. Okay, come up higher, look up higher, see, rise above this realm into seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Repent of my indulgence. You know, we, we live in, an, in a kind of a narcissistic self. Everything is, is all about me, myself, and I, and what, what I can get and receive. And, and even in the bride, what can God do for me? How's he going to bless me? Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. 
And like that preacher said, which I thought was so good, we want God to be in our presence. God, come into my presence. What? No. We come into his presence. He dictates when it will be released and when it will end. We're just to soak it in. We're just to follow him. And even recently, I noticed one of the ways I was approaching him in my own personal worship was, God, I just, I need you, I need you, I need you. And he stopped me and he said, it's good to need me, but why else are you here? Praise me, worship me, thank me, because I've given you so many of your needs. They're already met. Thank me. And so that was what happened this morning. I just, when I started thanking him and I started just just recognizing, acknowledging who he is, thanking him for even what he's done in my own life, what he's called me out of, but, but even before it became personal, looking at who he is, which I got to show you this because it's just, it's just so awesome. In Colossians, um, Colossians 1, he was just showing me this. Actually, there's a few few different things in here that, that go with that, but um, I, I don't I can't read the whole thing. But it was like when when um, Paul is saying, let's see, start in verse one, verse eleven. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Then skip down to first verse fifteen. He is the image Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Why? For in him, verse 19, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his Christ, of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind by doing evil deeds, He has now, through salvation, reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If you indeed continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. It's not talking about losing your salvation. It's talking about staying in a place of faith in your sanctification, your walk with him. Don't let yourself be shifted. Yes, the wind will be against you sometimes, especially when you follow the instruction of the Lord and you go. And as soon as the storm hits, you're going to go, why did you tell me to go now? Maybe I didn't hear you right. Why you instruct? God will sometimes definitely instruct us just to strengthen. He's not sadistic, but he will do it to strengthen our faith. And through this ordeal, I know not a one of them were getting out of that boat after they worshipped him in that first scripture, Matthew 14, that we read. Not a one of them were getting out going, man, that was a serious bummer. No, they got out and were like, as a result of this event that scared us half to death, 
we now know that you are the son of God. You are, we, we, we thought we knew it before, but now we really know it. Peter walked on the water. The wind ceased just like that. You hold all things together in yourself. All things consist and exist in you. That is who he is. So I'm starting with that place, like who you are. Wow. And then it isn't some far away distant, oh, who you are, oh God, way up in heaven. It's that vast God of the universe I have access to. I have access to. The veil was torn. I can enter in because of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus. I have now relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Most High God. That is, if those things don't rock you, if you lose what the gospel is, man, you're missing it. Because the gospel, it is not a code of ethics. It's not some system. It's not some... um, creed to be followed or, or, or some list of rules to be the gospel of Jesus Christ is what happened on the cross. It's the death, burial, the resurrection, the life that he came to give. And somehow along the way, we've missed that. And we've not understood that relationship is the key. And, and I know even for myself, I think the reason I'm so rocked by the Lord is because I'm like, you called me out of the religious system and you showed me who you really are. See, unless we're, unless we're moved by an experiential change, like is it knowing him, coming into his presence, worshiping him, encountering him, you first you have to believe by faith that, that you can go through the veil. You, you can enter in. But then when you receive it, there ought to be something that changes you. See, I'm not his bride, so I feel better. Can, I can't even imagine if Greg were to say, you know, and he's, he's talking to Jeff one day, and he's like, uh, you know, Jeff's like, that's just so great. You know, you, you and Alexis got married. And, you know, tell me a little, about, a little bit about how you met and, you know, your story. And, and he says, yeah, Jeff, he says, I, I just... I married her because I just wanted her to feel better. That would be kind of hurtful. Like, you married me so that I would feel better? Hmm. He married me because he loved me. Jesus loves you. He loves us. The most basic principle, and yet so many of the bride don't actually really experientially believe that and so they're on this pursuit to just constantly stay in a high of feeling good because they actually deep down if they're really going to let god peel back the layers it's because they don't actually believe that god loves them they don't know him for who he is they don't by faith believe that if they were the only ones if i was the only one this was a revelation for me if i was the only one left on creation before Jesus came to die. He would have came to die for me. Wow. Wow. That's his love. That's his love. And the feel good is a result of that love. It, I mean, many, many, many times, every time Greg tells me he loves me, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good when his arms are around me. It makes me feel good. I mean, 
that's, but that's just an after effect of what's real, which is that he loves me. And so it's not bad that we feel good, but it's not, it's a backward approach. And, and yet we've done that in the bride. And so I had this crazy thing, and I don't know if it'll be a clumsy example or not, but John, go ahead and come forward and Lacey, come forward. I, I just wanted to do this object lesson because it, it just hit me that this approach to things. So, so John, I want you to just lay down across there. And then Lacey, I want you to stand um, behind here. Yeah, if you can get, if you can fit there, just behind there. If you're just going to lay on your back, just, just straight there. Okay. So, so John is dead. All right. So he's just, he's just not, he's not living. So the first, <laughs> yes. So the first thing is Jesus came to give him life, right? And to find Jesus. If he's in a pursuit of religion, religion comes along and tries to approach um, him from a, it, it, it's a futile attempt. It's like, okay, so here he's a dead man. And then the church comes in and says, you know, he would look a whole lot better. Go ahead and put these glasses on. He'd look a whole lot better in really just cool looking shades. Because you know what? Every person needs that. And, you know, I really think that with some of the struggles in his life, he might actually need a little bit of a thicker shirt. So we'll just lay this across him because he, he needs a shirt. We don't actually have to put it on his arms. But he needs something a little warmer to weather the cold and the things that come against him, right? And, you know, everybody ought to have some, some support under their neck. So we'll just put a pillow under his head. So he just, he's got to look comfortable. I mean, he, he has to look comfortable. He has to at least look like he's lounging, even though, of course, there's no life in him whatsoever. But he's got to look. And then, heaven forbid, things get really, really rough. And so, hmm, even though he may not have life, he certainly needs an emotional support animal. So we're just going to give him an emotional support animal to just kind of support him there and be there for him and, and get on airplanes if need be. Okay? So, so now we're, we're going to go the extra mile and we're going to just... This is, this is little Miss Religion right here, and she is, she's just going she's gonna to do everything she can. So you're just going to prop him right on up. You're just going to prop him up, sit him up. We're going to sit him up and bring his feet on down, and we're just going to do our best to pull him right on up. You can help a little bit here. here. <laughs> just right, right along here. Get your legs straight. Yeah, prop him right on up there. And there he is. And you can put his arm around the emotional support. And we might even be able to, I don't know, just because it's probably the thing to do, we'll just put a Bible in his lap because, you know, I mean, we have to add the Bible in there somewhere. The man is dead. What in the world is all this for? I mean, this is the approach religion takes. Jesus did not come to make a bad man, a good man, through all these external things. He came to give life to a dead man, right? So that's in salvation. But the amazing thing is the same approach happens. You can lay back down. The same approach happens when there is life, but he's not breathing. And so we see, oh my, and then the church comes around, and this is a church that believes in Jesus, believes in salvation. 
And we see, okay, he's not dead, but he's not breathing. It's one of those things that happens, okay? And, you know, he, he's, he's went through something and he's not breathing, but there's a, there's a pulse, okay? There's a danger because the longer he doesn't breathe, he's in danger of going into a coma or, or even dying. And so if the same approach was there, you can straighten out that shirt because surely, you know, if he's not breathing, he, we ought to straighten his shirt, you know. We ought to, you know, if he's not breathing, we ought to make sure that, that his emotional support animal is a little closer to his face. Let's go ahead and put that pillow back there because, I mean, you know, if he's not breathing, he, he might need some help with his head being propped up. If he's not breathing, he probably needs CPR. He needs the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit to revive him. So the approach on both ends to either try to save a soul of religion or to try to use the systems of little miss religion which by the way is an evil sorry evil infiltration into the bride of these external things giving him life now because she is his actual wife and it isn't just somebody I'm pulling up go ahead and give him CPR and breathe life into him just kiss him Boom, he awakens, he sits up, there's life, there's life. So, John, I want you to jump up, and I want you to do a couple jumping jacks right now. Just do a couple jumping jacks. He's got life right there. He is now a passionate remnant believer because he was given the real answer. And, by the way, as he's filled with life, all this paraphernalia, all this extra stuff that is meaningless is nothing. It is of no value. Thank you both so much. It is of no value to what's real. And, you know, this is an absurd example, but it happens every single day in churches all across the world. They're going to so much trouble for props, for marketing, for making their services more interesting, for people giving them aid or giving them different answers and and psychological evaluations when what they need is the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit to fill and to give them what they're lacking. So the human realm religion is not the answer. Um, The last scripture that I will give you is, again, from Luke 17. Excuse me. Yeah, Luke 17, where we were with the, the ten lepers. If you just go a little further down, the one that worshipped him, of course, Jesus said to him in verse 19, rise from his face being on the floor, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. I love that because this leper, this is the one that was not in jeopardy of not of having to worry that leprosy would ever come back into his house. He had his priorities straight. He knew who his God was. And he was going to walk in wellness. He was going to walk in wholeness. Do not think that a miracle will change your life. Miracles change your opportunities. Your decision, your choice of faith changes your life. Every single day that you say yes to God, you are changed. As you let him change you. When something external happens, God, God's miracles are of his sovereign plan. But as I told you before, I walk every day in knowing that by his stripes I am healed. How and when and how much it manifests does not change that reality. 
And many of you have this revelation. I know here and I encourage everyone listening in, in other places. Get that revelation. Get that, that experiential faith um, in you that, that, by the way, is usually at a place much higher on the ladder. It's a lot scarier to be up high and to exist here. And by the way, the world, and actually I'm going to thank you, Michael, for doing that, because that is representative, not that, not that his mind was here, but the action of wanting to help is the world's reaction to, oh, you shouldn't be up that high. It's crazy. By the world standards, it's crazy to be up this high. It makes no sense. Well, you shouldn't do that. You've got high heels on. You got, yeah. it, the kingdom reality is different. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. If the Lord is calling me up higher, then whatever the risk, I'm going higher. Because the higher, the clearer. The higher, the greater. The higher, the closer. And falling is only going to be if I let go of the ladder. Jesus said in verse 20 of 17, he said, being asked or the setting up of this was being asked by the Pharisees when, when the kingdom of God would come. They were all about, when is this kingdom coming? When is this place? Of course, they were like, you know, we got to keep, keep our status, our power, our authority. So when is this kingdom? Because we need to know where our position is going to be in this, in this kingdom. They were all thinking king kingdom. Well, if you're really king of kings and lord of lords, if you're really the son of God, where's this kingdom? Man, they didn't like the answer. <laughs> He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. This, this is my heart's cry for every single person in the bride. Is that you can believe by faith that the power of God, the kingdom of God is already in your midst. Your faith will access it. It is available right now. You don't have to chase it because Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So when you find out who Jesus is and that all things are under his feet, when you see that Jesus is in your midst walking casually, calmly, powerfully on the storm with the winds present. You can choose to be in awe, in doubt, in wonder, in mm, I'm not sure, in fear, in the boat until he does something to prove himself. And then, of course, you're going to worship. Or you can step out, no matter what the cost, no matter what the risk, and say, I want to join you there. Because if you can do it, I want that too. He wants our desire. He wants our desire to just be instinctive. Like Peter was just like, fine, if it's you, then command me to come out. Who would even think like that? We got to give him credit for that. Like who would even think, well, if it's you, could you please just make this boat stop rocking? Cause we're starting to get nauseous. That wasn't what he said. If it's you call me to come out to where you are. He wants us to be there. That's a big prayer. By the way, he loves those prayers. God, if it's you call me, to do the impossible where you are. Call me to your kingdom ways. Because I want to be like Jesus. That's what he wants. And most of the bride is avoiding the ladder altogether. The ladder represents impracticability. It's, it's impractical. 
it's, it's difficult. It seems nonsensical. Because why can't you just do what you do right down here? I mean, come on, like everybody else. You know, you got things to think about. You got things you got to deal with. I mean, going up that ladder, who's even up that ladder? That is, makes, that is not even normal. Only a crazy person goes there. And I won't make you all nervous by standing here because that's what I want to do. But I'm telling you what, in my heart, that's where I'm standing. I'm standing and I'm lifting one leg. And I'm lifting the stiletto on the back of my heel. I mean, that's where my heart is. And it's God that's balancing me. I'm not doing, all I'm giving in each rung is my yes. He sustains me the higher I go. Because the truth is, the higher we go, the more we're not as stable. That whole equilibrium thing, the whole test of your humanity becomes less and less what you can rely on. And then it becomes, okay, now that I'm up here, Lord, you got to hold me. And he's like, man, come up higher. What I have for you is so much more. Don't be like the ten lepers. When you're given an opportunity, when there's provision, when God answers, when God gives you your heart's cry in a particular area in your life, all it is is an opportunity to go ahead and live out what you didn't get to do in a while, and you forget to go back and even give it all to Jesus on your face before him. Everything I have came from you. The least I can do is give you everything back. That's what he wants to see, and it's one out of ten. That's why there's a remnant instead of a full bride. Sad to say. So we're going to close with a song. And uh, it's called Ladder. And we're going to worship. This song completely wrecked me this morning. There's a ladder in this place. And he wants us. To seek him. He wants us to rise above. Rise above the ways, the thinking, the desires, even the declarations that might sound so courageous but are really a declaration of autonomy against God, not for God. As God is my witness, I will serve God. I will not stomp my feet if I have to steal, kill, cheat. I'll have what I want and God, you can watch me. I'm telling you, that's Nephilim talk. I'm just going to tell you straight. That's just, that's just evil. And I don't, you know, I know people are like, well, I mean, you're, you know, that's gone with the wind. I mean, you know, there, there are some things that are sacred. Let's, let's not be bashing gone with the wind. I mean, come on. See, that's how much it seeps into our culture, where there are certain things that are untouchable. If it is not kingdom, if it is not honoring and glorifying God, there is just no place for it. That's the real hard truth. God is not to be number one. On your list? He is to be your list. There's nothing else. There's just nothing else. We can't sing that and authentically. I just want you and nothing else. Nothing else. Really? Don't you dare sing that if that's not really true. Don't you dare say I'm giving, you, giving my life to Jesus. And then not give your actual life to Jesus. Because faith without works is dead. But he wants us to worship him. And revival is when we actually know who we are, who he is, then who we are in him. And we begin to rise and take back what the enemy has stolen. Take back. It is, we were talking about it in the leadership team. Take back the land that was stolen. The space, the authority, the dominions that are already defeated. Colossians 2 
Go to Colossians 2. He already publicly shamed the enemy. It is done. It is finished. We walk in the power of what was already paid for. That's why the beginning of chapter 3 says, So set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. That's where we're to live. And it doesn't mean that we, don't, that we live as monks and we don't operate. No, it just means that everything I am doing in this world is all for the kingdom. Or I'm not to touch it. I'm not to live on a mountain totally isolated and alone. That's the twisted version of, you know, there are times to retreat with the Lord. We're to be with the body of Christ. We're to be with the people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that will hear you. All Seek, go, go out and be with everybody. But for the kingdom, for telling people who Jesus is, for taking the land back from the enemy, that's what brings revival. Because the less and less territory the enemy has, the more his people will feel his presence. That's why these regions right now, that's why, do you ever notice, and this is the last thing I'm going to say before we listen to this song, you ever noticed? Revival results in people flooding churches. So what does it mean when people aren't flooding the churches? And it doesn't mean we don't have our individual revival, but there is something territorial. If, if the move of the Spirit of God causes people to gather, then wouldn't, wouldn't gathering be in agreement with the Spirit of God moving? It's not the only way that it's, that it's manifested. Because revival is also walking in the authority in, in, that you know you carry in Jesus. And I know for me, man, there was revival in my house. I was the only one in my house. Yvonne stayed with Brooke last night. I was the only one in my house, but there was revival. I was wondering how Charlie was doing, if, she, if he was even just floating around the room somewhere. I don't know. My little Yorkie. But, but there was revival. And it, it immediately wanted me to just draw together with the body of believers. So... Just let God move. Let God move. And I just want you to hear this song, and, and then we're just going to pray as, as Holy Spirit leads. So go ahead. I'm going to have you um, take the lights down, too. Just let's, just let's just worship.
worship you we just worship you God we just love you Lord I just thank you thank you for who you are you are king of kings you are lord of lords I praise your name I praise your name I bless your name Jesus God we cry out to you this morning we acknowledge you as king, as God, as the most high God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, God. I know, I know you're going to fall on ignition in a powerful way. And we just long for it. We long for it because we love you. We want more of you. 
So I just say, have your way, have your will and ignition. Help us to just pour out and ready ourselves for not just what people are calling revival, but for the habitation that you want to have in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, that you literally want to inhabit us, the next level of your spirit being released that hasn't even yet been seen or understood as you pour out your spirit on all flesh. God, help us to make room, to make room for you by letting you refine everything, not leaning on our own instinct or insights and responding with our own human instincts, but discerning, being in the Spirit, in you, Holy Spirit, not in any false spirit. God, we want your ways. We want your will above all else. And I want your will. I want your will for ignition. Thank you, God. Fall on this place. God, we just love you. I just pour out my praise this morning, my worship to you, God. You are worthy of it. You are holy. You are holy. You are so holy. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of our time. You are worthy of everything being set aside just placed at your feet we may not have been healed from leprosy but god you've touched each one of us in a way that if we acknowledge it god we will fall on our faces before you and worship you and thank you and praise you simply because of the blood of jesus delivering us from hell you don't owe us anything beyond that you paid it all and i thank you And yet you give so much more. You give so much more. I just praise you, God. I just praise you. Reveal, reveal what else needs to be handed at your feet. Reveal what else we need to believe you for so that we can climb to the tip top of that ladder with no fear, no hesitation, No practical application of what would be reasonable in this realm, but just faith, faith, faith. Not a dead faith. Not a propped up faith with all kinds of paraphernalia that has no effect. Does nothing whatsoever to kill the temptations and the things that come against us. It is only you. Everything is found in you. Jesus. I just praise you, God. I just worship you. I bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.